The greatest news that has ever, ever been told on this earth with those who need Jesus most. And to be honest with you, we forget. We need Jesus every day as well. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus is talking to his disciples and some other people. And he starts talking to them in these stories. We talked about them last week called parables. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And in verse, thir- in verse 1 and 13, he breaks into a parable. We're just going to read through this real quick. And then we'll be moving over to verse 18 for an explanation. But in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, That day went out, <clears throat> that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And a large crowd gathered around him. So that he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. Immediately, they sprung up, but because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them up. And others fell on the good soil and yielded yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. Pray with me. Father, this morning we ask for ears to hear. And regardless where we stand with you and our relationship, the scripture that we're digging into today applies just as much to us as it does to the unrepentant. So Father, I pray that you would help us to see and understand the heart of those that we may share you with. But I also ask that we would be examining ourselves, God. Examining ourselves of some of the things that still may not be allowing our roots to grow deep. Some of the things that may be choking us out from yielding the crop that you have called us to yield. Father, I I pray for ears to hear. I pray for eyes to see. I pray for hearts hearts to be softened and men, women, and children to choose Jesus. It's in his precious name that we do humbly pray this morning. Amen. Last week we talked a lot about the hardened heart. And I know some of you weren't with us last week, and if you will, go to our website, check it out. You'll hear all about the hardened heart. The first heart that Jesus talked about in this parable was the hardened soul. The soul that was along the road, that was so packed down from people walking over it that no seed could even start to grab root in it. And guys, last week we talked about this, and I want to reiterate this. There are going to be some people who reject Jesus. Now remember, 
When we go share the good news of Jesus Christ, who are they rejecting? Are they rejecting you? No. Quit taking it so personal. We've got to quit being so narcissistic in this. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about him penetrating the hearts of those people. It's about him entering into their minds. It's about him taking their life and bringing it out of the death that sin has put on it. But then he goes into the next heart. And regardless of where we walk right now, whether you've been a believer for 100 years, which I doubt it, or you just come to know Christ within the last month, these next verses can apply to all of us. So hear what he is saying. He said that some of the seat falls on some pretty rocky soil. And he's very clear that the rocky soil is not exactly evident. There's a layer of dirt on top of it. And this soil allows the root to grab hold, to pop up quickly, but eventually wither and die. The first heart we're going to deal with is the shallow heart. The shallow heart. Now I want you to understand something. When I read this scripture, and this morning I had to rewrite a lot of things. But when I read this scripture, and when I see what's being said, I want you to hear something. I'm not saying that this person's lost. I'm not saying that this person's saved. But I am telling you that there is a condition of the heart that is keeping this seed from taking the root that it needs to take. We've all got heart conditions. But on over in verse 20 and verse 21, he says, This man hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. How did he receive it? With joy. And understand, that's why I'm not saying that this man's not saved, but at the same time, I'm not saying he is saved. I can't tell you the number of times as a pastor or being out in the community that I have seen people joyfully receive the word. They have heard what was said. They have heard about the saving grace that is offered to them through Jesus Christ. They get excited about it. They move on it. They listen to it. And there for a while, they go strong. They go real strong. You think roots are going deep? You think roots are getting down into the soil? But then something happens. He goes on to say, Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arise... Because of his word, or because of the word, immediately he falls away. We've been hearing that word a lot lately, haven't we? Falling away. This week, my heart was absolutely shocked at another writer, a writer of a blog that I follow for quite a long time. I'm going to tell you something. This guy, when it comes to knowing the scripture, he knows it to a T. 
He has wrote some of the most thought-provoking articles that I've ever read in my life. And this week, he comes out and says, I am no longer a Christian. This causes us all problems, doesn't it? It causes every single one of us a problem. How is it that an individual can go from being sold out to Jesus Christ to the next day turning and walking away from him, sometimes forever? Over the last couple of years, I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen this make headlines. And I'm going to be honest with you. The news loves to make headlines of pastors stepping away from churches. They love to make headlines of it. It makes it look good for them. And it makes it look bad for us. But it's not as bad as we perceive it to be. It is bad. Don't get me wrong. But there is a reason that some people, quote unquote, fall away. He tells us right there. There is no root. Sometimes people have an emotional experience. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had an emotional experience? I went to um, Cracker Barrel one time. (laughs) They brought a plate of biscuits and laid them right in front of me. I had an emotional experience. They brought out that butter, not, like they, not the butter that they have now. Now that's in a little plastic pack. Remember they used to have that butter that was in full? You had to open it up. You could put it in there, and that butter would melt and saturate into that biscuit. I had an emotional experience. The other day, the boys were doing their karate. I ain't even going to try to do that because I'll have an emotional experience from that. But they're sitting there doing their karate. And Dalton brings out his sword. And he's sitting there, you know, he's just playing around with me, teeter-tottering. And then all of a sudden you see him go back and whap right on my foot. I had an emotional experience. It wasn't right. Wasn't necessarily wrong either. But I had an emotional experience. When it comes to Jesus, we got to realize it's more than just an emotion. It's more than just making a decision. It is about making a life change. A lot of people have said this, and it really bothers me. Because I've been to many crusades. I've been to many revivals. I've been to... Many situations to where a person has come to know Christ and then they get slapped on the back and said, you're good now. You ever heard that? Oh, you're good now. You got Jesus? You're good now. All your worries are gone. You don't have to worry about a thing. But this scripture points out something different. This scripture points out a little bit of a deeper problem. Because yes, there is soil on top to where the seed can take root. But shortly below that soil, what do we find? We find a layer of rock. Every one of us still have a rocky heart. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, every one of us still have a rocky heart. When my boys hit my foot, I have a rocky heart. (laughs) 
When Cracker Barrel did away with that butter, I got a rocky heart. When Jennifer ate my biscuit, I got a rocky heart. But we still have a rocky heart that does not allow that root to go down and to penetrate. Emotions, guys, I love it. I love seeing people broken about who they are and realizing the goodness of who Jesus is. Even the psalmist in 51, uh, Psalms 51 says that the sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit that God will not despise. But we've got to realize something. Choosing Jesus is more than just making a decision down here. It's living a life out there. And it is allowing this seed to take even deeper root. And when we don't allow that seed to take root in our heart, and I mean get down there real deep, we'd fall away too. I'm going to share something with you. I know pastors who are ready to quit. I do. Are they lost? No, they're not. But over the last couple of months, you know what they haven't allowed to happen? They haven't allowed a root to get down in their heart. A root to grab, go down deep and to slowly but surely break up that soul. My former career of grading, I got to see exactly what a root can do. And a root's an amazing thing, guys. It really is. You can get a seed, and you can put it on a rock with just a little bit of dirt. And that root will start growing. And you know what happens if that root finds a crevice? That root will grow straight down to that crevice. And it will go all the way to the soil that is holding nutrition. It will go all the way down to the soil that is holding water. It will go all the way down to where it can take hold. And nothing will move that tree. Nothing will move that bush. I used to work in a place called Grayson, Georgia. And most of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have heard of it. But it, this is honestly the rockiest place I've ever been in Georgia. We were installing power, and one of the places that we were installing power, we had to literally cut down a couple of trees to set down a pole, set up a pole. After we set up the, after we cut down the trees, then we had to remove the stumps. So I start digging, get the backhoe set up, and I just start digging. And now all around this stump, it's nothing but these huge boulders. I pull one away, and I start to see the root. So I think, grab a hold of it, you can pull it. Grabbed a hold of the root, and I stood the back of the backhoe straight up in the air. So, let down and dig a little bit more. Moved another rock. What do I see? More root. Got the backhoe set up again, got underneath it, curled it up. Again, front of the backhoe goes straight up in the air. Literally. After two sticks of dynamite, <laughs> after two sticks of dynamite, we're able to get that stump, part of it, out of the ground enough to where we can set a pole. Well, how does that apply to us? If we will allow 
this to set root in our heart. And I'm talking about deep roots. I'm not talking about surface level roots. I'm not talking about just knowing the word. I'm talking about really applying it to our life. If we will allow this to dig deep in our life, you know what happens when the storm comes? We're still standing. You know what happens when people persecute you because it plainly says because they were persecuted. Do you know what happens when people persecute you for the word? You're still standing. You know what happens to when everything in life around you is coming undone? You're still standing. If we allow Christ to be rooted in our life deeply, no matter what comes at us, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, guys. Hear me out. Living the Christian life, it's not easy. Whoever sold that book needs to shut up right now. And excuse me for saying it like that, parents. We sent them downstairs, but it's okay. But they need to hush. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And it will always be the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. I thought being a daddy was tough. That's easy. Put them in the corner. (laughs) Spank their butts. Take away their sword. Send them to Grammys. Send them out of town. A lot easier. Living the Christian life, yeah, you don't get away from that. I don't know. And a lot of people, and I know some of you probably got this in your mind right now. Well, there's no way this guy was saved. That's not your job to say. That's not your job to say. I don't save nobody. I don't have the authority to save nobody. And I don't have the authority to tell somebody whether they're saved. Whenever I'm a part of leading somebody to Christ, and listen to me this, whenever I'm part of leading somebody to Christ, I never even say the words, you are saved. I read them the scripture, and I'll look at them and I'll say, based on the scripture, what it says, and based on what you've just said, what conclusion do you come to? I let them tell me what happened in their life. Because I've seen too many people down here who've made a decision who've had some Sunday morning emotion and then go out on Monday and bust hell wide open it's more than a decision it's more than an emotion it's about allowing God to take root in our life and changing it and guys you know what when those rocks started getting broke up they hurt so when we come across somebody who may, have, who may say something like, a Christian thing, I don't do it no more. Understand this. If every one of us don't stay rooted in the Word, every one of us can be that individual in just a short period of time. We have constantly got to stay rooted in His Word. We've constantly got to stay digging into what He has given us. And guys, we got to remember this. Daily, Scotty Gerard needs to be immersed in grace. Daily, Scotty Gerard needs to be immersed in truth. And daily, Scotty Gerard needs to be with Jesus, and I need to allow him to be with me. Are you allowing him to take root in your heart? Second person he brings up, he brings up a person, and this is another one, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I can identify with this individual. In verse 22, 
He says, And the one whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word. And what does it say next? And he does what? Again, hear me on this. I'm not saying this individual is saved. I'm not saying this individual is lost. We don't do that. That's not, our, that's not our game to play. That's not our call. But there is an issue here. There is an issue that this individual is dealing with. It talks about this seed being thrown out. Were the thorns present? Were they not present? I don't know. I do know this. This time of year, it's amazing how fast a briar can grow. You can walk down a path one day and not get hung up. The next, the next day you walk down it, you'll be screaming the hallelujah chorus when you get out of it. Briars, weeds, all these vines, they grow fast. Over the last couple of years, I've been watching this vine grow on this poplar tree at my house. I've been watching it too long because I know what the vine is. If I cut it, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be broke out for a couple of days. Jennifer's going to be broke out for a couple of days. The boys are going to be broke out for a couple of days. And I, guys, I'm going to tell you something. That vine has got to the size of my leg. It is huge. That's just been since I've been living there, 14 years. That is a big vine. Vines can come up fast. Vines can choke things out even faster. This seed, tuck root in the area. Were the vines present when it was sown? Who knows? Were the, were the briars present? Who knows? That's not the point of it. The point of it is eventually that seed was overgrown by so many vines, by so many briars that it tangled it up. And it made that seed, according to what the scripture says, ineffective. So what choked it out? First thing it says is worry. How many of you worry? We only got four or five people raising their hand. Y'all are a bunch of liars. <laughs> y'all are about to have an emotional experience. How many of y'all worry? That's better. That's better. Praise God. We all worry. What do we worry about? We worry about things that... A lot of times we worry about things we can't control. As a pastor, one of my worries, and I'm being, being honest, being up and with you, one of my biggest worries as a pastor is people. You know what I can't control? People. I can't control my wife. <laughs> what makes me think that I can control a congregation? That's a little bit crazy, isn't it? But we get consumed with worries of things that we can't control. We get worried about things like and again, guys, not going political on this, but we get worried about politics. Can I share something with you? There isn't a president that ever saved anybody. There isn't a governor that ever saved anybody. There isn't a representative that ever saved anybody. The only thing politics has ever did is divide everybody. And Jesus didn't come to divide the world. He came to unite the world through him. And I know we've got lots of views on politics, and I know we've got lots of worries, we've got lots of concerns, but let's be honest. We can vote, but we can't control. So let's not even try to do it. But this entangles us as well. Let's just be honest. Over the last couple of 
months, how many of you have worried about politics? Over the last couple of months, how many of you have worried about what you've seen on the news? Over the last couple of months, how many of you have worried about what's going on in this county around you? What can you control? None of it. None of it. And you know what worry does, guys? Worry keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. God called us to have faith. Worry is the enemy of faith. I worry about what's happening to my boy, what's going to happen to my boys. But you know what I worry about even more? I worry about my boys dying, lost without Jesus. I'm not worried about their education. They're smarter than me already. I'm not worried about their intelligence. They take after their mama. I ain't worried about their good looks. They didn't get them from me. I am not worried about anything of this world for my boys. What I am truly worried about is every night when I go in their bedroom and I sit there and I watch them sleeping. I know that's kind of creepy. But I sit there and I watch them sleeping. And I worry about the day that God puts somebody in their life. I pray it's me to lead them to a knowledge of knowing who Jesus is. And I worry that they say no. I'm not worried if they make it as a pro athlete. I'm not worried if they go to college. I'm not worried if they struggle with so many social issues that we're dealing with today. I worry about them knowing Jesus. But even that can be a dangerous thing. Even that can be a dangerous thing. Worry preoccupies our mind to think on unimportant things. It causes us to make unimportant things important things. It causes us to make trivial things big things. It causes us to make all the things that really have nothing to do with what we're called to do the main thing. Worry causes us to isolate when we're called together. Worry causes us to focus on what everybody else thinks when the only thing we need to be worrying about is what Jesus thinks. Worry. Worry consumes us. Whether it's public perception, fitting in, or even our personal well-being. Worry can make us ineffective people. The person who worries is an uncommitted person who often lives a life in a false reality. We always say if, if, if. But most of the time, if never becomes a reality. It's a fictional place. But what else chokes him out? What else is it that the scripture says right there that chokes him out? Worry and what? Come on, I need, I, need, I need audience interaction. Worry and what? Louder. 
the deceitfulness. I heard, I heard two things, wealth and the deceitfulness. And it plays hand in hand. Because a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, we've learned about this prosperity gospel over a long time ago, you know, about how Jesus will bless you. Not yet, but Jesus will bless you <laughs> with, financial, with financial gifts. And guys, that is the case sometimes. But read again. What does it say that tangles us? Not wealth. The what? The deceitfulness of wealth. Well, how can wealth be deceitful? How can wealth be deceitful? I'm glad, glad that God did not give me a lot of money. And I'm going to tell you why I'm glad that God didn't give me a lot of money. Because if I had a lot of money, I would have me a nice Class A RV. I would pack my family up and we'd be gone. Where are you going? I ain't telling you. <laughs> we out. We out of here. I'm glad he didn't give me a lot of wealth because he would have made me, I would have, or wealth would have made me very comfortable. It would have made me very comfortable and very dependent on who? Me. Wealth would have made me self-sufficient. In other words, to the point where I need nothing that I, there's nothing that I don't need that I can't buy. I'm glad I'm not born rich because I know that I am in need of things that I cannot attain. I can't grasp. And guys, let's get it right. Wealth is not, wealth is not a bad thing. Wealth is not a bad thing. Money is an inanimate object that can do no wrong unless it's put into evil hands. Money by itself, it will never hurt anybody. But you put it in somebody's hands, and it can even turn the most devout Christian into a very, very deceitful person. Wealth causes us to always want more. The only problem is it's not wanting more of the right thing. What do we want more of? Jesus. What do we need more of? Jesus. What do we not need more of? Money. <laughs> more money, more problems. Y'all ever heard that? So where are you going with this, Scotty? Regardless of where this seed is lying this morning, I want you to realize this. That this scripture not only applies to the lost and undone people, but it also applies to the people of Christ as well. Because regardless of where you are in your life, you can become uprooted. You can become unfruitful. But what was the last soul that he said? Read it with me. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears. Hears the word and understands it. Who indeed does what? 
and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. If we were to do an audit, an audit of your spiritual fruit bearing, what would we find? What would we find? Would we find deep roots? Or would we find shallow hearts? Would we find you producing fruit that brings God glory? Or would we find you choked out with weeds, thorns, and vines? When you made a choice to follow Jesus, it wasn't to sit and be a spectator. It was to be involved in the ministry that he had set. And to some individuals that come to Jesus one time over in Luke, in chapter 9, they had a little inquiring with Jesus. And I want you to allow this word to speak to you, not my words, but this word, to speak to you in what they said. Verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what he's saying there? Don't get entangled with the things of this world. He goes on to say, And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. And he said to him, allow the dead to bury the dead. But you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. A lot of people get this wrong of what he's really saying. Is he telling him to neglect his family? No, that's not what he's telling him. And if you look into Jewish culture really close, you will see that there were some obligations that had to be fulfilled for the son of someone who passed away. It was their responsibility to take care of the arrangements of that family. It was their responsibility to take care of the whole family unit. And if that individual didn't do what was expected of him, it looked bad in the community. So what Jesus is really saying here is he's not saying, neglect your daddy, don't worry about him. You go, let the dead bury the dead. What he's really saying is, don't worry about other people's opinion. I know you have earthly responsibilities, but you have a heavenly responsibility that goes far beyond that. Then he goes on to say to the next one. Another one also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first... Permit me to go say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The person who asked to go back home, 
Were they really committed? No. Most likely, if they would have headed home, they would have never come back, which would have showed how shallow their heart really is. And when we're out talking to people about Jesus, we're going to come across people with the hard hearts. We're going to come across people with shallow hearts. We're going to come across people with entangled hearts. And what did I tell you last week? We're going to be tempted to be angry at them. We're going to be tempted to be angry at them because they don't receive this. This morning, let this speak to you. Because there's lots of things that we're entangled with that cause us to be uninfective. There's lots of things that are stopping roots from really taking deep in our heart. There is hardness in our heart towards ourselves and even sometimes towards our past that keep us from receiving the grace that God has offered us. Let's not be so quick to judge because every single individual in here is still in need of grace. We're still in need of truth and we're still in need of sitting with Jesus every day. Tommy. Why don't you clear your head for just a minute? Clear your mind of everything that's going on. And I want you to ask yourself this. What fruit am I producing? What am I doing to advance the gospel? What part do I have to play in this coming kingdom of grace? And I always want you to ask yourself, where am I doing with that? What am I doing with that? Are there things that have got you tangled up? Is there worry or deceitfulness that is causing you to be ineffective for the gospel? This morning, I'm asking you to repent. I'm asking you to allow God to untangle all those weeds so that you can again bear fruit. Is there some rocks in the way from those roots really taken deep? Are there things in your life, things in your heart that are not allowing God's word to saturate into you? I'm asking you this morning to repent and ask God to drive those roots deep into your heart. This morning, maybe your heart's hard. Maybe you've heard the gospel so many times that you're just tired of hearing it. But brother, sister, I've got to share it with you one more time. That God loved you so much that he knew you wasn't perfect. He knew that you couldn't get to him on your own. And he knew that the choices that you've made in sin had separated 
you and him for all of eternity. But God wasn't good with that. God loved you so much that he was willing to do whatever it took for the penalty for your sin to be paid. How did he do it? He sent his son. His name was Jesus. He lived a perfect life. And he hung on a cross some 2,000 years ago to pay the punishment for the sin that you have committed. He died to pay the penalty, the death penalty of that sin that you committed, not him. But to show his victory over death, to show his victory over sin, on the third day, he rose from the dead. And now, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, calling you to come, believe, repent. He is offering you a salvation that nothing in this world can give you. But the choice is yours. Maybe you made an emotional decision one time and you realize there's no root. Maybe you made a proclamation one time, but this world choked it out. And maybe this morning, you're hearing Jesus say, come. So I'm inviting you. You can come up here to the altar. You can do it right in your seat. But I'm asking you, go to the Father. Ask him to untangle the mess that you've made. Ask him to break through that stony heart. And ask him to forgive you for your sins. Trust that Jesus died for you. Trust that because he lives, you can live as well. Father, this morning, it's my heart that your word doesn't return void. So I'm telling you, I'm begging you, God, call your children to yourself. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that are softened. But give us a desire, Lord to come to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning as we stand, where do you stand? What fruit are you producing? And what's keeping you from producing that fruit? As they sing, come to the altar, come where you're, just take care of it where you are. But I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Allow God to untangle the mess that we've all made with our lives.